Father, we thank you. We thank you this afternoon. We can go on all afternoon thanking you for your goodness, your mercies that endure forever. We thank you for bringing us here to this moment, for this hour that we're just going to have together to share in the word and in your presence, God, for this time of just opening up what you would have us to hear. And God, we're asking, Lord, that as you're drawing us closer to you, as you're calling us into deeper depths of your grace to understand who we are in Christ, we ask that once again this afternoon, in these next few minutes, you just call us, call us into places that we cannot go in our own strength. Call us by the power of your name. Like you called Peter out of the boat and he was able to walk upon waters of impossibility at the sound of your voice, at the call that you, you, you uttered towards him, dear God, we pray that you utter a call to us, Jesus, by the power of your voice. God, you call us into that place of victory in Christ Jesus, of a thankful heart, dear God, that will be resounded in this generation that will cause others to wonder at the greatness of our God. We pray that you do a mighty work in our lives today and this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to talk about a grateful heart this afternoon. How many of you would agree with me and agree with the word that it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord? It's a good thing. It's a God thing. It's not our design. It's God's design. And it's a given thing. It's God expects his people to be thankful. We're going to talk about this parable where uh, nine lepers were healed and went on their way. But one of them, one leper of the ten that were healed, uh, came back and gave praise and thanks unto God. And, and Jesus says, where are the other nine? He's, he's like wondering what's going on. Where, where are the grateful hearts? And I believe in this day and age, we're slacking. I, I know I don't measure up to the biblical standard of gratitude as I read that when whatever I do, whatever in, whether it be in word or in deed, I should do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father. And I find myself many a time not as thankful as I should be in the presence of God and in my daily walk with him. So I'm going to just uh, share with you three tests uh, in, this, in this passage that are asking me, my heart, if I measure up. A vision test, a road test, and a stress test. <laughs> so Luke 17, if you want to look for it in your Bibles, we're going to read verses 11 through 19. And I'm going to read it from the NIV, which is a simpler version. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go. Show yourselves to the priests. Now in those days, the priests were the ones who were able to declare a leper healed or not healed. They would inspect the body and see if the miracle was genuine and they were literally healed and they were able to give them a certificate to enter into society again, go back to their families, go back to their daily life. So he says, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? 
Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And this is what I see as I, I, I read this passage. I see that this man is healed alongside of nine others that are healed. They all begin to realize their skin is changing. They probably feel a tingling in their skin. They probably feel a sensation. They're probably sharing with one another. Are, are you experiencing what I'm experiencing? Are you, are, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Is this, or do I have to pinch myself? Am I dreaming? They're all experiencing a glorious uh, a manifestation of the power of God. But there's one man who passes the vision test. There's one man that challenges me to see beyond just the miracle at hand. To see the miracle of mercy. To see not only is God healing me, but I don't deserve to be healed. Not only is God touching me, but I'm the least of the least of the least that needed to be touched. I know that this man knows me inside and out. He knows I'm a Samaritan and he knows I'm not worthy to be touched. And yet he touched me anyway. He sees the mercy behind the miracle. And I don't know if you are challenged like I'm challenged, but God is telling me it's not enough to just receive the blessing and say thank you. But do you see the greatness of the God behind the blessing? Do you see the greatness of the mercy of God behind the miracle? Only one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. They all saw their, their skin healed. But only one can see beyond the miracle. And see the mercy and the truth that met together. Paul says, thanking the Lord for the privilege of serving in ministry. I was once a blasphemer, Paul says. I was a persecutor. I was a violent man. And yet I was shown mercy. Do you and I understand this morning? Can we pass that vision to us and say, God, I'm seeing clearly. I am seeing that not only am I standing here in Times Square Church, but I'm the least likely candidate to be alive in Christ Jesus today. I deserve to be dead. I deserve to be gone and out of everybody's mind and thoughts. And yet I'm here praising the name of the living God. I'm here. I'm able to worship him because of his mercy. I woke up this morning because of his mercy. I have blood pumping through my heart because of his mercy. I have a clean and, and a right mind because of his mercy. I'm alive today. I can breathe because of his mercy. I can give glory to his name because of his mercy. Hallelujah. I pray open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Let me pass this vision test. Let me go beyond just the miracles and the blessings of the day and just say thank you, a, a casual thank you for your provisions and thank you for my food and thank you for the parking I found in the parking lot and thank you for this and for that. But God, God, you're a good God. You're a merciful God. I thank God for even giving uh, Ivory the sensitivity to just stop in worship. Because sometimes our worship can become so, so uh, rote. And sometimes our, uh, I'm not judging anybody. But sometimes we just fall into this formula. And we just sing the songs because they're right. And we kind of like say thank you Lord. Because this is the way we start a service. We thank him because we want to bless him. But it's not. It hasn't really come clearly. We're like the blind man that says I can see. But I need another touch. And God comes. And, and this is just an example that God is willing to stop everything. Stop in his tracks. And touch us once again. And give us a clearer view of how great he is, how glorious he is, and how worthy he is of our praise. Hallelujah. And if he's able to stop in the midst of the multitude to hear the cry of one Bartimaeus saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then I ask my own heart, am I, am I able to stop and realize that he's been so good to me, that he's been so merciful to me, 
that I can't contain it any longer, that I have to go back, that I, have, I can't go on my way. I just have to stop everything. I just have to get alone with him. I have to thank him because he's been too good to me. He's been too merciful to me. I can't just go on my way. You, you guys, you nine, just go ahead. Go ahead. I know I can go with you, but there's something I got to do. I got to praise God because he's worthy of all the praise. And I don't deserve it. The very breath in my lungs, he's put it there. So I pour out my praise as the song says. It's your breath in my lungs. So I pour out my praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The only reason we're here today is because of his mercy. Lamentations 3.22 says, because of his mercies, we're not consumed. We haven't been consumed because of his mercy. The grateful heart looks beyond the gift and sees the giver. It thanks God for the gift, but it thanks God even deeper for the revelation of who the giver is. Like a husband that gives a, a wife a, a new wedding ring, a diamond, a bigger diamond than he gave her before on that day that... <laughs> wives are, are, are saying, nudging their husbands and... And the wife just shines it and polishes it and oh, doesn't know where to place it and is just caught up and raptured with the beauty of the diamond, the clarity and the glory. And the husband is, hey, hey, hey. It was, look over here. And, and, and God is granting us all these things, lavishing upon us his love, his grace, his mercy, his strength, his power, his wisdom, his direction, his protection, his peace. Oh, and we just take and take and take and we take from his hand and we forget to look beyond the gift and see the giver. Every good and perfect gift is from above, James says. And God give us the grace to see, to see this as James saw it, to, to pass the vision test and see that every gift comes down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So every gift that he gives has had... It, 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 it captures his heart. He, it's a part of his heart he's giving to us. He's saying, look to me. I'm giving you this so that you could look to me and know who I am. And, and, and then it keeps on going. He chose to give birth to us through the word of truth. When we're given a glimpse of truth, do we delight in it? Do we understand it? Do we grasp it in, in its entirety? That we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. In other words, he's deposited truth in us. He has given a, a, a part of his grace and glory into us as gifts to this generation so that they may see the glory of our God. Do you see Christ in your brother and sister in the body of Christ? Do you glorify God for one another? Because his light is the light that shines in us and through us. It's what's revealed in us that has become our gift to this generation. Do I see God in my brothers and sisters? Do I see God in the choir that ministers behind me? Do I see, do I see the touch of God on their lives? Or do I just see a choir fill, like Ivory was sharing, just filling up space? No, I see God in them. I see all nationalities. I see the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I see harmony. I see love. I see peace. I see joy. I see how God can work all things together for the glory of his name. I see how different voices can come together. Different cultures could come together to glorify his name. And I see God in my brothers and sisters. 
Do you see God and the ushers in the house today? Or do you just see people going about business and sitting people? They're a picture of the grace of God. They're a picture of the God who wants order in the house, who says, I've seated you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I have a place for you to sit. I have a purpose for you in this life. Do you see God in the people around you? Do you see God in the security team? Do you see God there? I see him. I see God in the security team. God is clearing my vision and I see the touch of God because I know they're a gift to this church. And I see God's protective hand upon his people. And I know that as they watch over the house, God watches over this house. God watches over my heart. And he's alert to everything and anything that wants to come to distract, to deter, or to destroy the testimony of God in my life. Do you see God in the maintenance crew that clean up behind you? Oh, God is always cleaning up behind us. God is always taking care of our mess that we leave behind. Thank God, thank God for his maintenance. God's gifts exemplify his glory. They show forth the goodness of his name. Amen. I ask God to give me the grace to day by day begin to see clear and to pass this vision test of gratitude and thanksgiving. Secondly, there's a road test. When given the chance to change direction, do we take it? Do we take the, the opportunity when God stirs us to make a U-turn? When we're going in one direction and stop everything and head in the other direction? We're not all the ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Verse 18 says, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? You see, there are certain roads that we find ourselves where God himself tells us, Make a U-turn. It's time to turn around. And this leper was on one of those roads. I don't know if you've ever found yourself on the road of se uh, 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 with a sense of entitlement. I would call it the high road. Where we think we don't have to thank him because he's just doing his job. There are many husbands that don't thank their wives for all that they do. Because they feel this is the wife thing to do. She's just doing her job. Many children who don't thank their parents because they said they're just being parents, you know? Parents have to do this, right? A sense of entitlement. We're living in, the, in that age where everybody seems to be taking that higher road where, you know, you even give somebody the, the way of they can cross the street and, and they don't know what, almost nobody says thank you for, for giving them that, that, uh, that leeway. And, and, I, and I ask myself, am I living a Christian on that high road, having a sense of entitlement where, where I feel like, you know what? God's just doing his business. And uh, you know what? I deserved this blessing. And we find ourselves with that pride just dressed up in religious garb, you know? We thank him, but in our hearts, it's almost like, I thank you, Lord, like the Pharisee that was praying. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not a robber, I'm not an evildoer, I'm not the, like this tax collector next to me, I'm not as bad as this guy, I'm not as messed up as that guy, I fast twice a week, I tithe of everything I get. You, you, do you hear that high road, the sense of entitlement? In other words, I, I thank you God that I deserve to be blessed. Proud to be humble. <laughs> 
you, you may get that some other time. Just write it down on your notes on the side. Deuteronomy 7, 7. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. Do we remember? Do we remember that God didn't choose us because we were strong or mighty or noble or rich or powerful or influential? He called us because we were weak and he could show forth his strength and power through weak vessels that can glorify his name. We're all familiar with the psalm that says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And enter his courts with praise. But the verse that comes before that verse, which is Psalm 100 verse 4, the verse 3 says, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. It's a reminder. Yes, give thanks, but give thanks that you are not the author and the finisher of your faith. He is. Give thanks that you're not the creator. He's the creator. You're not the one who's going to make it happen. He's the one that's going to make it happen. Sense of entitlement, the high road. God help us make a U-turn. Another road we can find ourselves on is that of secular expectations. What the world believes we should have or where the world believes we should be. I would call this the Broadway. This is where the majority of people are headed. And it's the easy road to go through because everybody's going down this road. You got to do this. You got to do that. And giving you advice and telling you, you should have this. You should have more of this. You should have more of that. You should have a newer one of these, a newer one of that. You got to get this. You do. You got to have better this and that. You got to look like this and look like that. Young people, listen to me. The, the, the society we live in is pushing you, pushing you and, and, Older people like as well, pushing you to go in a certain way and they have expectations that are thrown on you. And sometimes we just got to stop and say, God, I, your word says I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your word says you have purposes and plans for me. You, you have a set future for me and plans for good and not for evil. I've got to trust that and I've got to go and begin to thank you for what I have and not, not go on this bandwagon of trying to get more and more and more thinking that those things are going to satisfy me when you alone can satisfy my heart. Romans 12 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content of being well-fed or being hungry. I'm content because God is my satisfaction and I thank God for being my all in all. Amen. I feel for the young people who are trying to look one way or the other. And they're so caught up in their inferiority complexes. I'm reminded when I was young and a teenager, I began to lose my hair. And this was not a good thing. <laughs> when you're in high school and you have to use hairspray and gel and everything so that you can cover those, those entrances right there, you know, so that nobody can notice. And I could shake my fist at God and say, why, why, why? But now people say, wow, you haven't changed a bit <laughs> all these years. And the, I know the secret. The secret is that I looked old when I was young. So now that I'm old, people say, you haven't changed a bit. You haven't aged. <laughs> so you can thank God even for the way God made you. He has a purpose and a plan. Amen. Sometimes we find ourselves on the road of surplus and ease where things have come easy for us. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12 says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, flourishing cities 
that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide for yourselves, wells you did not dig, and vineyards you did not plant. And then when you eat and are satisfied, here it comes. Be careful. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. Listen to me, church of Jesus Christ. God has blessed us mightily. God has blessed Times Square Church. Look around you. Look around you. God has blessed us. God has blessed you. God has blessed me. But there's a warning, a warning of coming onto this road of surplus and ease where, where the presence of God is just at every service. So we don't feel the need to pray. We don't feel the need to seek God. We don't feel the need to press in because there's others that are pressing in for us. My friends, this work around us, this work came by the mercy and the grace of God and people who understood that they had nothing and that God was their only supply. My friends, we cannot fall into the deceitfulness of surplus and ease, thinking that we deserve somehow the blessing that we have. It has come by the hand of his mercy and grace alone. And we dare not go comfortable in our spirituality and say, we've got it all. We don't need to thank God for anything because we've got it all. My friends, everything we have has come by the mercy and grace of his hand. And lastly, the road of selfish endeavors. We need to beware of rush hour traffic finding ourselves so caught up in our own personal pursuits that we can't even take time to thank God for what we have. We're busy acquiring and achieving what we need to do, and we don't even stop to bless him that we have the things that we have. Paul, referring to the perilous times in the last days, he says, men will be lovers of what? Themselves. And they'll be unthankful. He lists a whole bunch. I think there are 19 different things. Unholy, uh, irreverent, and all sorts of things. Uh, uh, people will be in the last days. But one of those things is unthankful. They will not be thankful for what they have. It's an amazing thing. This leper didn't thank the Lord merely just to get ahead in the kingdom of God. He didn't say, I'm going to go back and rub shoulders with the Lord because, you know, I could probably work my way into the kingdom somehow and he could probably find a better place for me in the kingdom of God. It was not a means to an end, my friends. And sometimes we come to God and we say, uh, 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 enter his gates with thanksgiving. Okay, so I got to start my prayer time with thanksgiving. Oh, okay, we got to start worship with thankful songs. Uh, we, we use it like somehow I got to uh, unlock the key so I could get into the grace of God and I have to use thanksgiving for something, a means to an end. When God says, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. That means you enter in and you stay thankful all the days of your life. You don't just bring it in for the beginning as an initial offering. Okay, I thank you. Now I can move on. Now you got to bless me. No, God, I thank you because you're merciful. I thank you for the very life that I breathe. I thank you because you are my all in all. I thank you that if I had nothing, I still have it all because you saved me. And I'm a child of God. I belong to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He understood. I'm coming back to thank him because I owe everything to him. I owe it all to God. It all belongs to him. Amen. So beware, even in ministry, my friends, those of you who will listen to this message later on, if you have this ministry and you're caught up in the work of the ministry, caught up in achieving and, and going by the pressures of what you should have and Christian looking to what you should be at this time in your life, where I should be spiritually speaking, uh, uh, just stop, stop and make a U-turn and come back to God. Come
come back to God, not just prayer, not just come back to prayer, my friends, not just say, okay, I came back to prayer, I prayed in a good time, and I'm good, not just come back to fasting, not just come back to church, come back to God and thank him, thank him because he's good and his mercy endures forever. I don't know if you're getting this. I don't know if you're understanding what I'm seeing. He came back to the Lord. He didn't even know him. He just knew that this was the man who had touched him with mercy and grace. And that's all he needed to know. And he threw himself at his feet. It was like saying, I'm yours. You speak and it's done. You tell me go this way and I'll go this way. He he said, go rise and, and, and go your way. Your faith has has healed you, has made you well. He says, your faith has made you well. This is our our final point, the stress test. When you're given a measure of faith, do you walk in it? You see, this, this man was given a measure of faith. The Word of God says he's given to all of us a measure of faith. He put it into action when he said, go show yourselves to the priest. He said, I don't understand it. I'm not healed yet. In our logic, we need the healing first, and then we go show ourselves to the priest. But God says, go show yourselves to the priest. And he heard the word, and he put faith into action, right? And he begins to walk, and he receives the healing. Now, some of us, I'm just going to make a parenthesis here. It's not in my notes. Some of us here want healing from the Lord, and you want God to touch you and zap you and there it's it. It's gone. You, you wake up the next morning and whatever infirmity you had is gone or right there on the spot. And God can do that. God is able to do that. But God sometimes says, go to the doctor. And it takes faith to go to the doctor sometimes. I would say as much faith to go to the doctor than to come to the prayer line in the, in the, in the three o'clock service and be anointed with oil. I would say it takes as much faith because sometimes you're afraid of what the doctor can say and these imaginations come into your mind, right? But we heard this morning, pulling down of strongholds and every imagination and every thought and God causes us sometimes to walk in faith and he'll tell us, go to the doctor, get it checked out. How, How else will this testimony encourage others, even those in the medical field, if they don't see the trust and the walk of faith that that Christians are willing to pass the stress test of of being sick or having a condition and saying, my life belongs to God anyway. Whatever the diagnosis is, my life belongs to God. My faith is in Him, regardless of whether the thing is yay or nay, whether it's positive or negative, whatever the results are, my life is in Him and I want to pass the stress test. This man had to have gone through some stress. It wasn't just like, oh, I got healed. I'm going to go say thank you. No, there was a distance. He had to walk through all those voices in his head saying, you're not worthy. What are you doing? Just go your way. Go back to your family. Take the healing and be gone. Why are you going to go back to this Jewish rabbi? He's just going to condemn you. And he sees right through you. You know it. You saw the look in his eyes. All these voices coming to his head. There's nothing for you in the future. And he had to fight through these voices and fight through and pass the stress test because he put his faith into action and began to walk in it. Amen. Sometimes it takes faith to go to the doctor and hear whatever the doctor says. This is something I do. Whenever I'm faced with a test, 
whether it be a test I took and I have to wait for the results and the results come in the mail and I have the envelope, I always pray, God, give me the grace. Whether I passed it or I didn't pass it, give me the grace to thank you. Because you know all things and you're working it all out together for good. So God, I'm going to put my trust in you. Give me the grace to thank you no matter what. I want to praise you on this side of the Red Sea. I don't want to wait till the sea opens up so then I could praise you. I want to praise you now. Even when it seems to be all doors are closing, I want to praise you now. When you go for a job interview, before you step foot in that office, you say, God, give me the grace to praise you, whether they accept me or reject me. It's not less of a testimony. Brothers and sisters, it's not less of a testimony to God. The testimony is that you're passing the stress test and you're saying, God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to thank you no matter what the outcome of this is. When a medical test is coming in and you're going to receive the results, God, give me the grace to receive it, whatever the news may be. Amen? I'm going to trust in your sovereignty even when I'm in the midst of a storm. I'm going to be like Job that says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to trust his character even in the midst of crisis. I'm going to give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Not just because I'm going through good times. I'm going to thank the Lord because he is good. And his love and his mercy endures forever. Amen? I'm going to trust in him no matter what I'm going through. And, and there were some lepers in the Old Testament that just began to trust God. Their, their city was seized by the enemy. And, and if they went into the city, they would die of hunger. If they went out into the camp, they would be slaughtered by the enemy. So they just began to walk by faith. And they headed towards the enemy camp. And God multiplied the sound of their, their, amplified the sound of their footsteps and caused fear and trembling to go in. It was like all, all the angelic hosts began to march with their tiny little feeble steps of faith. They began to walk and say, God, I'm going to thank you no matter what happens here. You, you're in control. I'm going to thank you every step of the way. And God took those little steps. And it was like this morning with the young people, the little kids singing here. And all of a sudden, the choir in the back stood up and began to back up these little kids. That's the way it happens when we just begin to thank him in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our trial, in the midst of our crisis. We just say, I'm going to take some small steps and I'm going to begin to thank you. I don't, even, I don't feel it. It's not about feeling. It's about believing God is faithful to his word. And he calls us to give thanks. He says, it's a good thing. So God, I'm going to take these baby steps. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I don't understand it. I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't know why all hell seems to be breaking loose on me, but I'm going to begin to thank you. And it's like the choir of heaven stands up behind you and you're saying thank you. And they're saying, praise God. Hallelujah. In the highest glory to God and all the enemies of the kingdom of God begin to tremble and quake because there's one soul that began to thank God in the midst of his problems, in the midst of his trial. And it causes the enemy to flee. And we reap the benefits. And we reap the spoils of the enemy. And we begin to rejoice. And we don't keep it to ourselves. We go back to the camp. And we say, God, guys, you're not going to believe this. But look, look. And we begin to show them. We begin to show them the goodness of our God. We begin to say, look, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. I can imagine, I can imagine this leper coming back to the Lord a long distance to come back. And he's just battling these voices in the head. And the enemy himself is coming against you. Who do you think you are to go back to the Lord and give your life to him and surrender your life and your future into his hands? And all he could say is to the enemy is, look what the Lord has done. Look, look at my skin, what the Lord has done. It's not about me. It's about him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Can we pass the stress test? Can we unload all in prayer in exchange for peace? Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And lastly, remember, He is holy and faithful in the midst of the heat of the flame. King James Version of Psalm 30, verse 4 and 5 says, Give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness, for His anger endureth but a moment. In His favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Let's stand this afternoon. I don't know about you, but I look back and I remember that He's holy. He cannot lie. I remember His faithfulness. And I need to continue to remember his faithfulness. I need to look back and see that goodness and mercy have been following me all the days of my life. Because that's going to give me the strength to look forward into whatever trial, to face whatever giant I need to face, and to see that God is faithful and to thank him. Thank him in the midst of every battle because he fights my battles. So if there's someone here this afternoon that feels, man, I've been failing these tests left and right. And I need God to touch my eyes once again, to open the eyes of my heart. I want to thank him with my life, not just with my voice, not just with my words. It doesn't matter how many years you've been in Times Scripture. It doesn't matter how uh, involved in ministry you are. It doesn't matter. You, you just want to say, God, I want my life to be a thanksgiving offering to you. So that when others are complaining and others are murmuring and whining and grumbling and wishing they could go back to Egypt, my life could be a very conviction to their soul and say, it's worth it. Living for God is worth it. He is faithful. Hallelujah. 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 Sometimes you just got to keep coming back to God. And sometimes your thanks will feel so empty. Sometimes your thanksgiving, your gratitude will feel like a formality. And you'll say it, but it's, it's up here. But you keep coming to God and he will do something to bring it from up here, down here. It will explode within your heart one day. You keep coming back to him. I remember when I was asking God to bless our marriage with a child. We, eight years into our marriage and we didn't have children and the pressures of, of Puerto Rican culture is like, uh, are you, are you, like, what are you waiting for? You know? And, uh, we wanted a kid, but, but I knew that God's plans for me were the best. So I would pray that I would, I would get alone with God and say, God, what you have for me is the best. And I thank you for, for this. I, you, I present my request. God, give us a child. But God, you know what's best. But it, it was just like somewhere up here. I knew it as theology. I knew it as the right thing to pray. But one day in prayer, one day, I can remember if it were yesterday, I probably shared it from this pulpit at a time. It exploded within my heart. In that little room, all of a sudden, it dawned on me. Wow. God has what's best for me. He knows. He knows. And it didn't matter right there. All of a sudden, it didn't matter whether I had kids or not. I knew that I was in the perfect will of God and that He was watching over me. 
And that's all that mattered. That's all that mattered. And I have kids today, and yes, that's, that's a testimony. But now I need to believe him and trust him for the grace, even as, as they're growing older. And, and they're in, during their teenage years, it's a whole other stress test. <laughs> but, but we walk it in the same way. As you've received Christ, you walk in it, right? You keep on trusting him. You keep on thanking him because he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the father of lights, and there's no changing, no shadow of changing within him. Amen? So you keep coming to God. Keep coming to his word. Sometimes it may feel like a stale letter. Don't feel condemned. Don't, don't, don't feel like, keep on coming. These words will explode when God needs them to explode within your heart. You come and you thank him for the word. He knows exactly when that word is going to come alive and, and minister to you and minister to others through you. Amen? Thanks be to God. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Thank you, Lord, that we could entrust our lives into the hands of a faithful God who's able to stir us in the midst of our tracks wherever we are and cause us to turn around and give you praise. God, we pray that this church would always be sensitive to your voice and to your word. And Father, if we're going in one direction and it's not the direction that you want us to go, give us the grace to stop everything, turn around and get back to you and get back to the simplicity of Christ and glorifying your name. And God, I thank you. I thank you for this heart. I thank you for the pastors that have a heart that goes after you. I thank you for this music ministry that has a heart after you. I thank you for the elders of this church who have a heart after you. I thank you for the brothers and sisters who pray for the leadership in this church day and night. And they lift us up and they mention us by name and our families and our children. And I thank you for hearing their prayers. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. And I thank you for what you're going to do in every one of our lives of those who came forward this afternoon. Give us the grace to walk with you and to give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.